Welcome into the Sideline Sports Show, episode number four. Tim, how are you doing today? Good, Ben. How are you doing, brother? I'm doing good. As you can tell, I actually, now you can see inside this box now. You get a little bit of a visual of what it looks like now, thanks yeah, to... Yeah, I, uh, I can kind of tell what's going on behind Exactly. You. Now, yeah. uh, because uh, they have blessed me with a new camera, so... Uh, now we get the 4K vision of what's going on behind me. So, well, nice. Tim, I, uh, you know, we, we were going to start with some SEC action, but there, we'll there's there. just, we'll yeah, there. we'll get there. But there's no way we can pass this news because it's just that big. And Tim has no idea what I'm talking about. I just told him, hey, we're going to start off with some breaking news. Here we go. Yeah, and I have no idea because yeah. the last two hours for me have been nothing but go, go, go. So yeah. I, this is news to me. Yeah, I get it. Sports Center announced the Lakers are nearing a deal to acquire Wizards' Russell Westbrook for Kyle Kuzma, Montrell Harrell, and Cadwell Pope. What do you think? And a 2021 first-round pick. And a first-round pick? Mm. Yeah. No. Just that's for cool. Russell Westbrook. I mean, that's a lot. But when you think about it, they also gave up a lot for Anthony Davis. And I yeah. mean, that worked out. They were able to get a championship. Uh, th- this year he was hurt, however, so that kind of cost him a little bit. He was able to play, but wasn't quite as effective. Um, but, yeah, I, I, th- I like it. I, I think you put uh, Russell Westbrook in there with – LeBron James and Anthony Davis. I think that team is obviously, and I think this goes without saying, this is not breaking news anybody. That team's going to be really good. That team's going to be flat out uh, outstanding. And I think that sets up for if these two teams can stay healthy, Lakers and the Nets in the finals. Ooh, so you're calling it Lakers, Nets, finals if they 2022? Stay healthy, I, I, th- I think it's almost guaranteed at this point. Oh, okay. Okay. Now, I do not like the fact that they're getting rid of Montrezl Harrell. I think, you know, that was a big addition this past offseason that they added. So for them to lose that one piece, I think it may affect them. I think if they made a deal where it was Kuzma, Cadwell Pope, and that first-round pick, I think I would agree more that it would it would definitely help them. But now you're looking and you're like, okay, you got AD maybe now playing center instead of Montrezl Harrell. So now you're just going to have to move some pieces around. And I think now that you're moving all these guys out, now you're going to have to figure out, okay, you're you're going to have to put more minutes on LeBron James. You're going to have to put more minutes on AD. You're going to have to put more minutes on Russell, Res- what, Russell Westbrook. excuse me. So I think that will add to the factor. But now – if you add this piece, you're going to have to go out and get bench players immediately because you know the market is going to ramp up quickly, especially since the draft is tonight as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, they'll be able to put together some nice role players and stuff and some guys on the league minimum. So I, I don't think it'd be too big of an issue for them. Yeah. All right. So let's go ahead. Let's get to the SEC as we continue our breakdown of each conference. We will not be adding Texas and Oklahoma to this because they are not in the SEC maybe until 2025. Who knows? Hey, so our so, 2025 preview show, that we'll talk about yeah, in, yeah. in this context. But until then, you know, <laughs> we got a little bit of time. Yeah, we got a little bit of time. So let's go ahead and break down the East, shall we? Let's go ahead and do that. Uh, SEC least, you said? Uh, yeah, the least. least the SEC least. Yes, that is correct. Uh, let's just, do you want to go ahead and just start ranking them from one to two or, or one to the bottom or I say do you want to go over it? Work our way down. Okay. Okay. Let, uh, go ahead. You give us your, your first take. Cause I, I feel like we have the obvious team who will finish last in the SEC least. Yeah, this is definitely Vanderbilt. I mean, th- there's yeah. not much ex- you know, ex- explanation there. Uh, the most exciting thing that they had about them a year ago was that they brought in a female kicker to kick an extra point and had a kickoff. That was the most exciting thing and any time Vanderbilt was really ever talked about last year. Uh, other than that, there was really nothing to talk about about Vanderbilt football. So yeah, now, there, granted, there obvious reasons. granted, they did not finish last last year. They finished in six because Mizzou went four and four. Vanderbilt played one more game than Mizzou did and went four and five. So granted, Mizzou didn't have an SEC win at all. Uh, I, I, that, at I all. think you're I think you're getting them mixed up. <laughs> Vanderbilt was zero and nine. No, last year, last year in the twenty twenty. 
Yeah, the tw- the shortened season. Yeah, Vanderbilt was 0-9. O- okay, well, maybe this is just the wrong article. <laughs> Who knows? But anyway. Yeah, but, yeah, it, um, I'm actually kind of high on Missouri this year, uh, Eli Drinkowitz and stuff, and we'll talk about them here in a second. Yeah, yeah uh, Vanderbilt get, get, getting a new coach, so that, that, that may turn things around, but it's not going to turn things around any time in the near future. That's, that's for sure. Yeah, I got Vandy at the bottom as well. I, I just – I just don't see anything. I mean, it's like you said, the most interesting thing we got to see last year was the female kicker. That was honestly – they didn't even get to play Georgia. They backed out last minute to play Georgia. I I, I just don't see anything exciting to look for. It's kind of like how we talked about Duke last week. You know, there's just nothing that stands out that makes you go, why? Like, Yeah, there's, uh, yeah, there's uh, nothing what? really to be excited there's about. There's nothing. Exactly. And, and speaking of not really being excited or something, talk about the ne- next team in my list, at number six, I got the Tennessee Volunteers. Yeah. I got them at the six. I mean, absolute dumpster fire. Jeremy Pruitt just yeah. – I, I, there's no words for what – It's only because – it's only because of McDonald's, okay? That's the only McDonald's reason – it's McDonald's bag. That's the only reason why it's not exciting. I, I think that's probably what made the offseason for Tennessee so exciting was McDonald's bags. Believe it or not. That's the only reason it made it exciting. <laughs> exactly. And, I mean, they're an absolute dumpster fire right now. I mean, the guy's transferring away from the program at the end of the last year. Man, it, it, it was just – it was not a good 2020 for Tennessee. Yeah. So, they can join the club there. It wasn't a good 2020 for a lot of people. But – Overall, Tennessee just kind of took it on the chin, and they're gonna have to. Looks like they may have to start all over yet again. So I, they they come in at number six in my list. Gotcha. Uh, I can. I'll actually stick with that as well. I'll agree with that. Tennessee, and I, I say, you know, you're still transitioning, and as a new coach, you're bringing in the guy from UCF who had a very very well program over at UCF, but to transition from the American Conference to the SEC, I just don't see anything in year one that makes you go, okay, yeah, they're going to be a dominant team in the SEC East. I I just don't see that. I don't even see them in the mid-tier, so I got to put them at the bottom as well um, with Tennessee as number six on my list. And this – and this next team on my list, I take great pleasure in putting them in the bottom half. Of- <laughs> I already know who it is. I already yeah, know I, who it is. Yeah, Ben knows who I'm a fan <laughs> of. So I got the USC Gamecocks. The, number five, new coach Shane Beamer. Uh, there's a lot to, to take positives. I, I think it's going to be an interesting first year. He's going to have some ups. He's going to have some downs. They're getting their running back back. I've, his name's slipping in my mind at the top, but he tore his ACL a year ago. So he was out. And so he's coming back this year uh, on top of the running back they already have, who, who was really good. He was actually named um, USC or South Carolina's Heisman over there. So it, he had a really great season last year, broke out against Ole Miss. And so they got a very exciting running back duo in there in Columbia. But quarterback questions, and really, truly, there's questions just about everywhere else that they have on the field right now. So the Gamecocks and – Contrary to their former president, you know, it's not Southern California. Uh, I don't know if you, you saw that, Caslin, uh, the former president. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I think USC is going to come in at number five in the SEC East. That's That uh, that whole uh, – I'm going to talk about this for the president real quick because we're not doing Clowns of the Week this week. That would be one of them. The statement that he made about Texas and Oklahoma had to be one of the biggest Clowns of the Week of all time. Mm-hmm. Just – absolutely obliterating his own reputation to remain the president of South Carolina. And then he had to resign twice because they didn't take it the first time. Exactly. So, man, just uh, – but I, I, I'm going to go with that as well. I just I just don't see anything in South Carolina other than a running back that stands at uh, – and it's just like the bottom uh, – really the whole SEC East. It's just kind of predictable. I guess this is really just kind of a a thing where you can make it so predictable, and and this Cody Justice just commented this, and I just want the Gamecocks lack quarterback depth to get depth to get them anywhere, and it's so true because I I I'm looking at this, and I, I agree, Cody. Thank you for commenting, but I I just I totally agree 100 percent with this because. I think when you go into a season, you have to have somebody to rely on. You have to. And 
South Carolina just doesn't have that yet. Now, granted, I I don't know what that looks like, what that looks like for South Carolina or whatever. I don't know who they're going to start game one. I don't know what's going to happen. But I just don't see anything exciting out of them, so i got to put it there. Um, yeah, and breaking they, it, they actually had QB help on the way in form of, uh, I believe it was Gunner. It was Gunner something. Gunner Stockton. He was Gunner the. Stockton, thank you. He yeah, was the quarterback yeah. at uh, Rabin County in yeah, Georgia. Exactly. Yeah, and he he was come, he was on the way, but you know once they fired Will Muschamp, they tried to keep him, but they couldn't. So now yeah. now they're really kind of, and for lack of a better term, they're they're, they're kind of screwed there. So yeah. They, so not really starting to look for Shane Beamer. It'd be interesting to see what he does. Um, I think it's going to be a good turnaround, but I think it's going to take a few years. And I think they're going to have to kind of take their licks a little bit. And I think year one, they're not going to be at the, the very bottom, which is ultimately the goal this year, because it's hard, it's hard to be worse than Tennessee and Vanderbilt right now. But I, I think that they'll be uh, – they may fight for Kentucky for, for that four spot, but I definitely don't see them getting higher than that. So, I, I just got this notification, Tim. You probably got it as well. This is breaking news. SEC, since we're talking about the SEC, SEC votes unanimously to extend invitations to the Big 12 co-founders, Oklahoma and Texas, to join the SEC in 2025. So Interesting, because what weren't we, we hearing that Texas A&M was all against this? Yes, that, they, they were that is true. 100% against this. They, they knew that it, when they were in the Big 12 and had that rivalry, they, yeah. they were Texas's little brother. And they didn't like it. So, and we were kind of hearing reports that AD was going to do everything he could to fight that. Uh, and now, all of a sudden, they agree unanimous, unanimously. Unanimously. So, so it's saying that shocking. Texas, yeah, that means Texas A and M was all into this. So shocking, but which is uh, which is great because this is yeah, it's great. Into the Texas Texas A and M rivalry again. Back That's when we true. were we little lads, yeah, <laughs> little lads. Those two little since those yeah. two played. That's true. All right, to continue our list at number four, uh, I got Missouri. I can't really – I can't put them any higher than that. I think that's their ceiling this year. I, I think that's as high as they're going to get. I don't see them getting any higher than that. Um, they looked decent last year, especially against LSU. Uh, they came out and shocked LSU at home and won that game very, very close. I think it was 44-42. And it was a it was a nail biter all the way to the end, and that was still when LSU was trying trying to figure things out at the beginning of the year, and they just came in and shocked them. So I, I think that they have an uprise, but they're that's their ceiling. I don't think they can hit anything higher than that this year with the other three teams that we'll mention here in a minute. I, I slightly disagree with that a little bit. I, I actually have Kentucky at number four. Okay. I, I, I think based off the performance last year, again, I think they're, they're going to be – you can flip-flop them in South Carolina at four and five. I think Missouri with Eli uh, Drinkwitz and the system that he's brought in there, I think he did a really good job in year one getting them to third in the SEC East last year at five and five. And I think he's only going to get better there. And l- less an unforeseen, you know, sophomore year hic- hiccup for, for him and, and the Tigers down there in Columbia – Missouri, I think that they get better, and that I think they stay right around that that uh, top three area. So, I I, I think Kentucky is going to be at that four spot, and I kind of have them them there by default, just because I don't see them worse than South Carolina, but I don't quite see them better than Missouri yet. So I kind of have yeah. them at that right slab in the middle of the SEC East at number four. Well, that's my number three. I got Kentucky at three. I I like how they played last year. I like how they. They represented themselves that, especially in a year kind of like COVID, it was just rough. Everybody was just horrible in a way, form, and fashion. And Kentucky played very good almost all year long. They were consistent. I think they were a consistent team to me. It wasn't like they came on the field and got blown out by 40 something points. And then the next week they won by 50 something points. You know, you, you didn't see it go up, down, up, down. They were very consistent on how they played. And I think that may play in a little bit to affect this year as well. So I don't see – and it's like that. I don't see them going above that three spot. Could they go lower? Absolutely. It's the SEC East. You never know. But I, I think that would be their ceiling for the year's third spot. Right. 
I can see that. I can see that. Now um, we're gonna we're gonna know kind of right away because in week two on September 11th, yeah, primetime game there on SEC Network, Missouri and Kentucky are gonna f- go against one another in Lexington. So I I can see that Lexington, Kentucky at home. That that's right there is honestly could determine who's going to be number three, who or who's gonna be number four. You know, because obviously we don't think that they're going to beat either one of our top two teams that we have. Right. So. So, so yeah, you, who do you got at three? At number three, I have I have Missouri. I think that they're going to stay around five hundred in the SEC. Uh, let me pull up their schedule real quick here. I, their non-conference is Central Central Michigan, Missouri, and Boston College and North Texas. So, I, I think that they're. I think they, the Boston College matchup will be a very good telling yeah. of how they will play the yeah, rest that, of the year. That, that's going to be at Boston College, so yeah. that's, that's they could go three and one, but that, that that's absolutely their floor. They're going to go three and one because they're not going to lose the Central Michigan, Southeast Missouri, right, North Texas. That's just not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, at least I don't think. But it, uh, three and one coming out of non-conference and then going. Four and four in conference play, so it's three and one. That would put about seven and five, so seven, uh, eight, eight and eight and four at the at the best. And I think that would solidify them solidly in that third position there. Yeah. All right. So I think we both agree on our top two, and I, I think we will agree how we place them. Uh, and I'm just going to go ahead and release both. That way, I can knock it to kill two birds with one stone. Uh, I'm going to put Florida at two, Georgia at one, until. Florida can prove to me that they can beat Georgia upright. I can't put them above Georgia just yet. And I know that both teams are doing great at recruiting. They're out recruiting everybody in the SEC East, and that's why they're going to remain the top two for years to come until they do this realignment in the SEC and maybe Alabama and Auburn join, and that may change the whole thing. But until other Florida can prove otherwise, I cannot put – Florida above Georgia, and especially with JT Daniels coming back this year, I think that's a huge boost to their offense. I think the running backs will, because I think they're getting new guys at running back, if I'm correct. Um, but their O line's great. They're going to have good wide receivers. It's just how it is. Their defense, uh, they got a lot of younger guys coming in this year. That may be the question mark for Georgia. But overall, I just can't put them below Florida. As much as it pains me to agree with you, I, I mean, I, I ultimately have to because Florida, you can't – what do they say? You can't lose your running back and you can't lose your quarterback yeah. and still expect to be the same level that you were. And you're tied in. so Yeah, and, and your top five pick tight end, Kyle Pitts. Exactly. You can't lose, you can't lose those your three top targets and still expect to you know, not miss a beat unless you're right. Alabama. Every you, nobody can do that. I don't. I don't think Clemson can do that. I, Ohio State maybe, but other other than Alabama, nobody can do that. Especially especially not Florida. There's yeah. no way that Dan Mullen and company are going to be able to uh, replace Kyle Trask, Kyle Pitts, and uh, flipping their name. But the, your your top targets on, on offense. There's just no way that you're going to be able to do that. Yeah. All right. So obviously we got Georgia winning the SEC East. I want to talk about one game specifically, okay? Before okay. because I, I I know we have to because of what kind of fan you are. Let's talk about game one, Charlotte, North Carolina, Georgia, Clemson. Because I feel like this ultimate ultimately shapes these two team seasons and how it will play out. Yeah, I, I feel as though I, I'm 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 excited for that game. I think that game is yeah. going to be fun. Uh, DJU is going to take the reins at quarterback for Clemson. Um, God, I, I just quarterback name for Georgia just slipped my mind. I'm having a JT Daniels. Time. Thank you. I, I, I should know that. Yeah, you're good. But um, yeah, <laughs> JT Daniels was absolutely balling last year, and, and and he was balling out there on the West Coast before he tore his ACL a couple years ago. So this should be an absolute fun game. Clemson does return all their starters on defense, which was kind of crazy yeah but, but i mean if, if they play like they did against ohio state that may ultimately be a bad thing so that that should be a fun game i don't expect them to play like that especially it's proven that when you give brent venables the, the coordinator for clemson time to prepare 
without a doubt, he's he, he's almost undefeated just because you give him so much time to prepare. That man lives in in the film room, and I think it, it'll be a fun matchup. I think I think this is a more important game for Georgia than it is Clemson because flat out the conference, uh, it, it is hard to go through the SEC even if you're playing in the SEC. It, it is hard to go through any division in the SEC undefeated, and Georgia, in order to make the playoff, would probably have to do that, and. Or somehow maybe lose one to or get upset somewhere by Kentucky or Missouri, and then go go on to win the SEC. That that would be the only way that, that they could get in at that point with, with two losses. So I, I definitely could see that. But Clemson, let's face it, it, the rest of the rest of their schedule in the ACC, the All Cupcake Conference. As much as it pains me to say, it's true. And or ACC another Clemson championship. I, I I don't see it changing anytime soon. So I think Clemson's fine even if they lose, as long as they don't get blown out by like thirty, which I, I hope doesn't happen. But if if it does, then then that could create some problems. But as long as they lose a tight one and then run the table, which most everybody expects them to do, yeah, that they could still get in. Georgia, it may it's not going to be that easy. That's right. All right, so Cody. Justice, comment two things. Uh, we're going to do this one, and then we're going to end the segment and go to the West uh, with the other comment he put. So the first one he put, he has Georgia winning a close game, 27-24 against Clemson. I, I, I agree. I could I, – I, either way, I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be super close. I think either team could win it. I, I You could flip a coin, and it would probably be right. You know, it's 50-50. Both teams evenly matched. Great defenses, great offenses, uh, good special teams. So, I think there's a lot to look forward to in that game. And this is why he said Florida will not be good this year because they threw a shoe last year <laughs> to lose a game against LSU. <laughs> yeah, it'll be good as long as they don't throw another shoe. Exactly. You know? <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. If they don't, th- that's the key for Florida this year is if you want to win the SEC East, don't throw a shoe. <laughs> that, that's the key. Fair enough. I mean, that's not the key. Wrong. You're not wrong, Cody. You're not wrong. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we will break down the SEC West for you. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back in to the Sideline Sports Show. Tim and Ben with you. We covered the SEC East. If you miss it, don't worry. You can go back, uh, watch the replay of the stream on Facebook, YouTube, or you can go to our uh, Instagram page, uh, Sideline Sports Show, and you'll be able to catch our reactions to where we think the teams will fall in the SEC East. So here in this segment, we're going to talk about the SEC West. And I, I think we should just go ahead and put who we think is going to be number one and then go back to yeah. Go back to yeah, seven. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, everybody we, we know, and I know Cody's going to like this one. Uh, he's, an, he's an Alabama fan. So, yes, I, I can't believe I know him or I'm affiliated with, with him. But, yes, he's an Alabama <laughs> fan, and they're going to be number one. Uh, Bryce Young, I think he hadn't played a game yet, and he's almost a millionaire for, for good, with the new NIL stuff going on. But I, I think he's going to be very talented, and I don't, I don't, it doesn't matter who you have at quarterback for Alabama. Nick Saban's proven that. And Alabama, I have them at number one, and that should shock nobody. It doesn't shock me because that's my number one too. I, I mean, me and Tim agree on little, but we know common well, we, sense. We agree the we, entire show, unfortunately. You know, we, yeah, we, but we know we common sense. That. We got. We know. That. Yeah, we know common sense though. Let, let's be real, Alabama. I, there's just no one that's going to stop them this year. There's, I, I can't even tell. I will say though. I think my only fear for Alabama is you know who the quarterback's going to be. Who's going to replace Najee Harris? Who's going to be that guy that's going to step up and replace what he did for Alabama? Now, and also Devontae Smith, which I feel like the freshman uh, that was doing extremely well in the spring game will fill that role. But I think the real question is who's going to fill Najee Harris' spot? Because I – Let's be real. Bryce Young's not going to throw the ball all game long. He's just not. So I think oh, if you, Nick Saban hates doing that, exactly. So you got to find that piece, which I'm pretty sure he recruits five stars running backs every game. So you know, I, I just feel like okay, uh, there's just no way. I, I still, even with the without a running back, you know, I still think they could. I'm sorry. Now, I, I think I just saw something that just caught my you. Eye. Did. You did. You did. Here, the go ahead. Miami is going to be the toughest task. Cody, really? <laughs> really? 
My, Derek King's going to be lucky to make it out alive in game That's number true. One. That, that is not a tough Cody, test. A&M, Co- that's a tough test. Miami, no shot. Cody, go back and watch last week and how we broke down Miami. Uh, I, one of the keys that we mentioned, okay, was that De'Aaron King had to be healthy game one because if he was not and he did not take hits in the spring before or the uh, the fall practices before the season starts, if he is not 100% healthy and he does not take hits during practice, he's not going to be ready for the Alabama game. He's just not. I, if At that point, if he's not 100%, Throw a backup quarterback in there because you already know you're going to lose this game. Throw in the white towel. Just be prepared for the ACC and get ready for the game after Alabama. Don't even worry about Alabama because you know they're going to run over you either way. Texas A&M, I will kind of agree, though. I think the hardest part for me to 100% agree, though, will be the hardest part, is that you don't have Kellum on. And I just I, – I don't see Texas – and we'll get to them in a minute. We'll break them down. But I, I just – I have a hard time believing Texas A&M will be another tough team to stop. That's just me, though. It's just me. But we'll get to that in a second. So Yeah, absolutely. And I think we're going to be pretty unanimous, too. I think after the top two, we'll start to uh, differentiate a little yeah. bit. Uh, speaking of Texas A&M, I got them at the two spot. I, I agree yeah. with Cody. I think they're going to be the toughest challenge. LSU's kind of – Coming back, they weren't very good last year. I mean, it was to be expected, though. They lost literally almost everybody. I mean, your top two receivers, your running back from your championship team. Oh, and your legendary quarterback that had probably the best season by a quarterback in college football history in Joe Burrow. And you have to replace all that. You have to replace Joe Brady, your passing game coordinator. Uh, there's so much to replace, and it was so obvious that they were going to take a step back. Yeah, it was very obvious, and they did, and that was evidence evident week one when Mississippi State, I think, still throwing <laughs> touchdowns against them, but yet they couldn't do it the rest of the season. So I, I, I think that really, truly, the A and M's only. I look at this SEC West. I don't see a whole lot of there for Alabama to, to challenge them other than Texas A&M. I think so for someone other than Alabama to represent in the SEC title game, I think a and the best shot. Yeah, I can agree with that. I, I, I got Texas A&M as well at number two. I think their biggest question, and it's like you said, I, I don't see much, uh, even at A&M, I just don't see personally as much of a, a challenge as Georgia and Florida. I just don't see that in the SEC West. I, I, Texas A&M without Kellen Mon, I'm just not sure how they will operate on offense. I just don't. They're returning a lot of guys, a lot of key guys as well. Mm-hmm. But it's just going to be hard for me to be convinced that they're going to give Alabama a true fight without knowing who that quarterback is and how well he will perform against a team like Alabama. But number three, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to put LSU at three. And I say that because I think if you use Johnson as your quarterback, because I figured at the end of last year, they kind of found a rhythm with Johnson as the quarterback from Oconee County, Georgia. I think he found a rhythm. And once they found that rhythm, they were very – they were going on the upside. So I, I like LSU. Could and now, like I said, I think from the rest of this list down, they can be put anywhere because you never know how their season's going to go. But I'm going to put LSU at three. I think I might surprise you with this one. Okay, I, at number three, I got Ole Miss. Okay, no, it doesn't yeah. shock me. It doesn't shock I, me. I've got uh, I like Lane Kiffin and year two uh, again. If he's going to have to figure out defense because yeah, I mean, they, they kept with Alabama <laughs> on the scoreboard. But they couldn't stop them to save their lives. So they're going to have to work on the defense a little bit. And and, and he's got to work on that clipboard throw. I think he's going to have to get that thing a little higher. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I think, he only threw that thing about 30 feet. Just a little air. bit. He, just a little yeah, bit higher. Yeah, he needs to get that up toward 50, man. Come on now. You can do it. But yeah, I, I, oh, I, I like Ole Miss. I like, like their team. I think if they're going to be able to replicate their offense, and all they have to do is be slightly better on defense, they, they may surprise some people. And this is a true statement, and this is why. Uh, okay, I, I'm going to put them at my four, Ole Miss at four. And this is one of the reasons why Cody brought this up. Ole Miss passing attack about killed Alabama's defense last year, which is 100% true. Yeah, they kept up with, yeah, they if, kept up with them on the scoreboard for sure. 
Yes, and I, that's why I have them at four. I, I think they're going to be a very explosive offense. The reason why I have LSU there and Ole Miss at four is because I have not seen Ole Miss's defense prove anything yet. LSU's defense proved something to me against Florida. Now, is Florida a great team? Eh, it's okay. But they at least proved something to me. Ole Miss's defense really didn't prove much last year. It just reminded me more of a Big 12 defense. That's really what it truly reminded me of, where they can score offensively and blow people out, but they cannot stop anybody on defense. So I think if they improve that piece right there, they can. the ceiling is high for them if they improve that defense. But until yeah. I see it, I, I got to put them at four. Yeah, and to your point, uh, that de- the, the defense. I remember now. Uh, Kevin Harris for South Carolina. Remember in that game, they they had to score almost fifty points, if not over. 50 exactly in that one. Kevin Harris, I believe, ran for like four hundred something yards on them. Yeah, it was by ridiculous. Himself, had like five, six touchdowns. I mean, the dude. I mean, if they're able, uh, Alabama. I'm pretty sure, if I remember correctly, ran all over them as well. Uh, with Najee Harris, they're going to have to improve in the run. They're going to have to stop the run more. If they're able to do that. Uh, I honestly could see Ole Miss maybe even upsetting Texas A&M. Yeah, I, I, agree. I don't think it's going to be Alabama because they, they have to go to Alabama this year. Yeah. And so I, I don't see that happening, but I I think that they could definitely finish third. Yeah. So who do you got at your four seed? At number four, I have Arkansas. Okay. I think, I think, yeah. I, I Okay. I, I like Arkansas. I like them more than LSU. I do. Let, let's Wow. Look. Yeah, I'm going Arkansas at number five, or excuse me, number four. I apologize. Uh, I have them over LSU again. Not a not a big believer in Ed Orgeron and LSU right now. I, okay. And, until I see him do it with someone not named Joe Joe Burrow, I I don't believe it because I remember he was in, in the SEC back back in the day with Ole Miss. I think he won three or four SEC games in like five years, and then he comes to LSU. They 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 slightly improved, but. Uh, and then they had the year with Joe Burrow, and I think that was more of an outlier in the fact that Joe Burrow just took off. And I, again, I just I don't believe that LSU is going to be back. I, I don't believe in Miles Brennan enough to where I think they're going to have a decent season. So I think I, I like Arkansas. I like the, the way they play this past year, and I think it's they're they're going up. Their their ceiling could be a lot higher, and I think that they will take down LSU this year. So I got Arkansas number four. Okay, so I have Arkansas at my five spot. Um, And that was the ceiling I had for them. I think they could reach a four. I could see them getting to that four spot. But anything other than that, I just can't see. Um, But I, I like their coaching staff. I love what they're doing. They are building that offensive line like they should. And you don't have Felipe Hot Dog Franks as your quarterback. So... As Tim would say, so I, I there's I positive, there's positivity. <laughs> I, I can't take full credit for Felipe Hot Dog Franks. Uh, I got credit for that one from one of my colleagues at the radio station that I work at. But oh man, but it, it was very true. But, but yeah, I I, you know, I think Arkansas takes a step in, step ahead, and this is where I have LSU. I think this is more appropriate for them. I think the, the five spot. Obviously, they can get to the four. They can get to the three. I mean, but. Again, it's going to depend on Miles Brennan and, and that defense. So, and and they're not going to be as we pointed out earlier. I I don't think they're going to get too many of shoe throws, you know, to back them up this time. And this is true. You had LSU there, so Cody's comment kind of relates. LSU hasn't come close to beating Alabama with Ed without Burrow, and they haven't won a close game. Uh, without Burrow, I think is what he means by that, and which is true. He's right. Which is true. So, all right, to continue on, uh, I, I want you to do your six and seven. Just go ahead and knock them both out. Uh, I, got, well, I, got Auburn, I, I got Auburn at number six. I, again, their head coach coming over from Boise State. Bo Nix is still their quarterback. Excuse me. Uh, I, I don't believe in Auburn. I, I, I don't. I, I don't think they're going to be that great this year. I think it's going to be kind of bumps and bruises, and I think even Bo Nix is probably going to be benched by the end of the year. I, I, I get, Yeah. I have new coach coming in. Uh, I just don't think it's going to benefit Bo Nix the way some people do. I, I think they're going to take a gigantic step back, even further than what they did last year. And I think Auburn's going to have it bad this year. I, I, I don't like 
the way that they're set up, and I have Auburn at number six. And as much as it pains me, I love Mike Leach. I got Mississippi State at seven. Now, I have this. I mean, they don't they don't play defense. Is air raid? I I, I don't think that's going to work in the SEC. I don't think that translates. I think it may work a little bit earlier in the season, but once you start getting to to the dog days and to, to the end end of the season, I I don't think that's going to work, I, especially against the top teams Alabama and A and M. And I think Ole Miss, Arkansas, LSU, and Auburn are going to be able to figure it out. And I don't know. I, I don't like Mississippi State. They don't play defense very well, and with, it's a Mike Leach team. They don't obviously. They're not going to run the ball very well. In my opinion, that's something you got to have in the SEC. So I'm not a big believer in Mike Leach and Mississippi State, and I think they finish at the bottom. Uh, I'm going to flip flop it, and I'll tell you why. I got Mississippi State at my six, Auburn at seven. It's like you said, Auburn is not going to have it figured out by the end of the year. They're they're a train wreck and a half right now. Bo Nix is probably the only good thing that they got left over there at Auburn right now. And truly, and to be honest, you may even see him play those four games and pull a De'Aaron King and go, you know what, I'm going to transfer somewhere else and spend the rest of my days somewhere more happy. Right. And I, I, I could definitely see that because he, he won't be happy at Auburn. I don't see anything positive I think towards the end of last year when I saw them play Texas A&M, they just looked defeated. They didn't care about the rest of the year. They they didn't care about winning that game. They were up like two touchdowns and then blew it all in the second half and acted like they just didn't even want to come out there and play. And the difference between Auburn and Mississippi State, at least Mississippi State is going to go out there and put some points on the board. So you just sure. got to look at that difference right there. So I, I, that's the only reason. I, I And who knows? Mississippi State's only conference win may come against Auburn, excuse me. And so that that may be their only win. But who knows? It gets you higher than Auburn. So um, I can see that. I can see that. Uh, and it may be the, the pure fact that Mike Leach and his willpower may get, get, get them to avoid the bottom slot. You know, who knows? Right. Right. You know, and I, I don't know, but I just don't think that his offense is going to be able to translate very well. It, it translated very well in the first game against LSU last year, but that was because I don't think Ed Orgeron had even really any idea or any clue what Mike Leach was going to bring to the table. And that was exactly. very obvious when the quarterback threw for 600 yards plus. And then I think a couple weeks later had like six interceptions in a game. And I mean, LSU made him look like the Heisman, but then that was the outlier versus the norm. So I don't think that's going to happen very much, and I don't see that happening going forward. Absolutely. So let's break it down. Obviously, we have Alabama and Georgia SEC championship. Yep. So let's say let's say Georgia lost a game to Clemson, or they didn't. I mean, either way, you're walking into the SEC championship. Who do you have winning this? Now, it looks a little bit different for Alabama because you have a new quarterback. For Georgia, you have an experienced quarterback. But who do you have in this matchup? Who do you think is winning and taking home the SEC championship? I think the most important part to, to determining that is something you just said, the quarterbacks. JT Daniels, more experienced quarterback, played a year w- with Georgia. It, it wasn't a full year because you know, I don't know what – we still don't know what was going on with him and that that uh, Georgia program. They were holding him back for whatever reason. Who but knows? He, he, yeah, he came out and he came out attacking. And I think that, that that slight experience of playing in the SEC for a year, I think, is going to help him. And uh, I think Georgia, I think this is the year Georgia beats Alabama in the SEC title game. Now, Alabama may get revenge in the playoff, which is something Nick Saban does quite frequently. Yes. Two SEC teams in the playoff or in the national championship game. But I think, at least in the SEC championship game, I think Georgia finally does it. They don't collapse. And I think they take down Alabama in the SEC title game. I think this is a crucial year for Kirby Smart. And I'll tell you why. I think and this is this may be a hot take later on in the year, I don't know. But it's crucial because Kirby Smart recruits better than anybody else in the SEC East. Hands down. He out recruits everybody in the SEC East. I would love to say the SEC, but he can't out recruit Nick Saban right now because that's his godfather. So other than Alabama, he recruits better than anybody in the SEC, hands down. Just 
hands down. Uh, you see it. You see the stats. You see where they're at in the recruiting rankings every year. But they have done absolutely nothing to show for it other than one SEC championship. That's it. That is literally it. That's the only thing that they've shown for, and they had one appearance in a national title game. That's great. But other than that, that doesn't look good on a resume. Okay, Kirby Smart, since he's been there, has won two bowl games, if I'm right. Okay, two. Uh, if and I may have to go back and check my stats here. It's either two or three. But the bowl games really aren't that big of a like significance for me to go, okay, you know, great job, Kirby. Great job. We brought you in here to win national championships. So for them, I feel like this has to be this has to be the year that they win the the SEC championship to get that them to that point. If they don't win the SEC championship, I it may be curious for me to go. Okay, does he become on that hot seat? I I, I don't want to say yes quite yet, but it would be questionable because he hasn't put up the resume. I think Georgia brought him in to do. I think I think it'd be a little early for that. Yeah. But then again, I mean, they ship Mark Richt out of town when he exactly. was 10 wins a season. So, I mean, who knows? So, you, you may have a point there. I think it's still a little too early to be calling for that. But, I don't know, I, I'm with you. I think that this is a very important year for Georgia football. Yeah, and they, like I said, I, I have them winning the SEC championship because I know it's a do-or-die situation for Georgia right now in this moment. Because I feel like being in Georgia right now, I feel like the fan base, from what I've heard in the state of Georgia, now there's different sides of the fan base and everything like that. There's the recruiting side where it's like, oh, but he recruits better than anybody else. And then there's that national championship side where it's like, hey, we haven't won a national championship since 1980. So we got to win that. They so, almost did, but, 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 but they got to it. So. Exactly. They got to it. <laughs> but uh, – you have to have that year this year. You have the guys to do it, and you have to make it happen this year. So that's just me, and that first piece is beating Clemson game one because if you don't, then you really are going to have to beat Alabama in the SEC championship game just to get into the college football playoff. So it puts more pressure. And same way for Clemson. I think Clemson, if they lose that game, they have a little bit more leeway because they can still run the table – I, I don't just see the challenge that Georgia is going to face if they come to the SEC championship game. So they have a little bit more leverage. So, yeah, yeah, you got a very valid point there. And, but yeah, I, I definitely see this as Georgia. I think Georgia can do it this year. And like you said, the very, it's very important week one, the game against Clemson. That's going to determine, we're going to know. Who this Georgia team is, and they're going to be without their, their leading wide receiver George Pickens, who uh, most likely sure. towards ACL in spring practice. So uh, I don't know. I, I think Clemson wins that game. To be honest with you, and I think that puts Georgia back on their heels. I think that they put that puts them in a situation where they need to win out and and beat Alabama. And I've I've got them doing that. I've got I've got them going twelve and one and beating Bama in, in a thriller in the SEC title game in Atlanta. But I. Yeah, I, I think this is of all years. This needs to be the year, because like you said, if they, it's not this year and they fall, fall short of the playoff yet again, then Kirby Smart might find himself ultimately in the hot seat again. Yep. All right, we're gonna take a break. When we come back, we will wrap up the show with Olympics and the MLB. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Sideline Sports Show, episode number four. And segment number three, as we are going to break down the Olympics, everything going on in the Olympics right now, and also the MLB, the MLB trade line being today. So what are some moves we may see? We'll find out. So, Tim, let's start with the Olympics. Obviously, the biggest story coming out for the USA, Simone Biles opts out of the team uh, trials or team finals, and at first, it was because of a apparent injury, and then we hear it's more the mental health side. So, right. break us down. What do you really think is going on with Simone Biles? 
I think from I mean you're hearing mixed things about how the scoring was adjusted for her. I, I've confirmed those reports, but if, if that if those are true, that's like that's like really just because of her greatness, you're going to kind of adjust the scoring to make it fair for other people. That doesn't make sense, but have it confirmed if that's true or not. But um, in terms of mental aspect of it, obviously her mental aspect, her mental mind, her mental mindset, I guess would is most important to her. And that's what it should be. Uh, now, do I agree with her, you know, walking off the floor in the middle of a competition? No, I, I'm like, I, I think you should finish the competition that you're currently on the floor to do. But other than that, she, I mean, she owes, she owes me, she owes you and everybody else out there, literally nothing. She's the go and she knows it. We all know it. She's, she's, she's the greatest of all time in her sport. Now, and I, 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 this is a very touchy subject. I've heard a lot of mixed comments on this. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact of the history of USA Gymnastics. I mean, think about it. It was just a couple of years ago, the, the story about Larry Nasser and the horrible things that he was That's doing right. uh, came out. Simone Biles is a, is a survivor of that. Now, something something like that could, could, have, affected, could have affected her. Um, I think that mental aspect really and truly is the first and foremost and that's way more important than earning some medal that she's already won time in and time out. Uh, but I do think that she sh- she should have finished what she was doing on, on the floor that night, and she shouldn't have walked off like that. And the, but the rest of the competition, I'm like, hey, if you want to compete, that's up to you. And if you're not if you're not able to, you know, I don't want you. you we don't want you to compete and get hurt, you know, in front of the entire world. That that's nobody right. wants that. So. Definitely want to get, get your, your mental aspect right. Get your head right. And if you're able to compete, fine. If not. You know, it's it's not it's not the end of the world. I mean, the USA already won um, Olympic gold in an event that some mobiles pulled out of. So it ultimately didn't prove to be that big of a deal. And I think we, people need to kind of back off of her a little bit. Uh, but I do think we, we should, with once you start something and you're in the middle of something, I think you do need to finish that. Yeah, I agree. I think one of the things that stuck out to me was I heard reports kind of like you did a little bit where I heard that. Oh, the reason why she opted out was because coach uh, coach told her to opt out because they're scoring her differently and she's just better than everybody else on the floor, and that's the reason why they're scoring her differently versus everybody else. And I've heard all those rumors as well. I can't confirm any of those, all right? I cannot confirm any of that. But I don't believe that at all. I don't think a coach would go tell an athlete who's worked their way to get to the Olympics first off in the first place to literally get off the floor and not compete because you're better than everybody else. No, you're better than everybody else for a reason, and that's why you're at the Olympic Games for a reason. So I don't believe that. If it is the mental health aspect, I'm glad that you're taking a break and you're trying to figure that out. Uh, I think that's very important for – I think everybody to do. I mean, if you are dealing or struggling with mental health, take a step back. Just relax, find out what you need to figure out, and then, you know, do your thing. And that's what she's doing. But I do agree with Tim. If that was the case where she just walked off the floor and that was the reason why she did it was because of mental health, I think she should have stayed, just at least cheered on her uh, teammates during those events. I think that would have – and she did. She came back and she cheered on for the final, which obviously helped Team USA win gold. So I, I think, you know, she kind of made up for it in her own way. Um, but, you know, I, I think people blasting her for what she did was wrong. I, I don't see why people would blast her for what she did, especially like Tim said. She's won gold medals left and right, m- exactly like Michael Phillips. I mean, just there's she's no reason. For us to, she, to prove yeah, that. Exactly. She's yeah, she's, she's already the greatest gymnastics gymnast of all time for the USA and we've already crowned her that because of how many gold medals she's won so there's nothing left for her to prove so if she needs to take a step back and figure it all out I'm fine with that I'm definitely fine with that and especially how she's still cheering on her teammates I do agree with that as well so kudos for her for taking a step back especially with everything that everybody's been through in the past year and a half I think sometimes we all do need to take a step back and figure life out so maybe that's what she was trying to do. So, but to continue on, yeah, oh, go ahead, saying, go ahead. Yeah, I was just saying that, that, that and that, that's good that she's doing that. But you know what's what you know what's not good and what's was very disappointing over the weekend. What's that? 
USA Basketball. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it's uh, just, now, it's, they, they, it's they, disappointing. They, yeah, speaking of people talking about the rush hour three scene, I don't know if you've seen this, but you know how um, talk about how we're lo- yeah, Americans us uh, talking about how we're losing Europeans in basketball now and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it it kind of happened to France. You know, they made up for it uh, a couple of days ago, I guess, uh, beating the crap out of Iran one twenty to sixty six, but. Uh, losing to France is never good, especially when just a couple years ago you were beating the likes of Nigeria and all these other Australia by 30, 40 plus, including beating Nigeria by like 60, I believe it was back in 2012. Um, yeah, it, it's not a good look, and, but they have a game against the Czech Republic in which they should win by double figures and that they should get into you know, the, the knockout stage just fine. I've heard many complaints on it's because of Coach Popovich. And how he plays basketball. And the guys that play now on the USA men's basketball team don't play the way that Coach Popovich plays like. So, I don't know if that has a reason to do with it. But it's like you said. I mean, they should win this next game by double digits. I I shouldn't see a problem with that at all. Um, But looking forward, I, I think the good thing is that the track and field's coming up. The USA has obviously been dominant in that field for a very, very long time in the Olympics. So, it, right now, I think the medal race is close. I think the last time I checked it, I think the the last time I checked it, it it's been a couple of days. But the USA had 22. Uh, I think Russia had – not Russia, um, China had 21. So, I mean, it, it's close. It's been close. So, I, I do have to check the medal race. Um, but it was close last time I checked. But I think the USA will do very well in men's and women's track and field that's coming up here later on in the week. Absolutely. And I look forward to it. And now in a sport in which the U.S. didn't didn't make it in, unfortunately, because of a dumb loss to Honduras, they weren't able to make it to the Olympics. <laughs> but um, oh, yeah. don't so talk about that. But yet Mexico kind of stunned France the other day. Didn't look so good against Japan. But uh, ultimately, right the ship and looked very good against South Africa and, and Japan dominated France. So Mexico kind of moving on to the knockout stage. It's, it's kind of interesting because Olympics, it's, it's the U23 teams. Mm-hmm. and uh, But you have Ochoa back there in goal for them. I saw that when I was very confused. Ended up talking to some people <laughs> and they're like, yeah, they're allowing, I think, up to five. Yeah. There's somewhere between four or five guys that are older than that from your senior team to come to the Olympics. So the, the saw a show there. That confused me, but yeah. I, You're I think, like, what? Yeah, I'm like, he's definitely not under, what is it, 23? I'm like, he's definitely not. He's been, he's been in there since I've been in like in, in high school. So yeah, ochoa has been there a long time. But yeah, I think Mexico's looked really good. I think Japan's looked really good. Um, again, teams like Germany, France get knocked out in the group stage at the Olympics. Not a, not a good thing for, for uh, th- those two countries there, especially Germany and France. I mean, two teams that have won World Cups recently. Yeah, and that's so, that's going to be huge. So uh, the medal race uh, update, as of right now, the USA has 38, China has 31, but Japan and China – have the most gold medals in 15. The USA has 14. So we only trail by one gold medal. Uh, so that is the Olympic standpoint for the last five uh, couple of minutes. We're going to try to break this down as quickly as we can. Right. And um, just something real quick, Hunter. I, Hunter, we see your comment over there. Yankees just got Rizzo. We have we've looked and we can't find anything. That, actually, that, that I have. You found. I have. Yes, I've not I found it. It's not on ESPN or anything like that. So ESPN uh, released four hours ago that Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryant are not in the lineup tonight for I the did Chicago Cubs. I and then Jack Curry on uh, and Ken uh, – I'm trying to think uh, say his last name right. Roslinthal, I think that's how you say his last name. Uh, he does um, reporting for ESPN as well. Uh, source confirms – that Rizzo is headed to the Yankees. So that is confirmed as well as if I'm correct, Joey Gallo. Remember, yeah, he, yeah, he got traded. Yeah, Joey Gallo together. has been confirmed because I, yes. I, I, I saw a picture of him in a Yankees uniform. So I, I believe that that's been confirmed and fi- just about ready to be finalized. I'm still yes. looking for that Anthony Rizzo thing. I, I haven't seen ESPN report anything. I um, uh, haven't seen any breaking news, anything like that. But, you know, I'm um, – 
wouldn't be surprised. And if that does happen, that would make things interesting. Joey Gallo with, I mean, dude, with his kind of power and that short portion right in Yankee Stadium, I think that's going that's going to be a match made in heaven, to be honest with you. Uh, and so would Anthony Rizzo, a left, a left-handed first baseman. I think that that front porch could help. And the Yankees are desperately in, and we need to win. We need to get back in this division race. They're, they're hearing it from their fan base. And so I applaud the, the trades that they're making. Still waiting to hear that the Anthony Rizzo trade has been finalized, but still waiting on that report. But yeah, uh, overall, if, if that trade is definitely confirmed and has gone through, that 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 will definitely make the Yankees better, in my opinion. Here's another tweet I'll point out to you, okay? Taylor McGregor uh, is a reporter for the Chicago Cubs. She said, after the final out, Cubs' Chris Bryant remained in the dugout for a little bit, seemed to be taking in Wrigley Field, looked to be getting emotional as he finally got up to leave. So maybe this right here is a little hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Uh, Chris Bryant could be out of Chicago. So, yeah, he's definitely, definitely heard reports that the, the um, Cubs are shopping him. Definitely yeah. heard reports that, that they're trying to find uh, suitors for him. Uh, I'd love for him to come to Atlanta, but I think please, he's please, well, 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 well to the baseball gods, please send Chris I, Bryant. Hey, to Atlanta. That would be great because I think you could honestly move Austin Riley back out to left field where he was because you wouldn't definitely want to keep him in Atlanta because I, I mean, he just hit. His another home well, under you you have to think about this too. You have to think about this too. Chris Bryant can also play in the outfield. He's done it multiple times for the Cubs. That's true. So you have two guys now. If you bring Chris Bryant in, you have two guys now who have played in the outfield and play in the infield, and that would be huge, especially two All Stars, really, because Austin Riley has been lights out. And that was what I was going to mention today. He's been carrying the Braves on his back for the past like three games like it's it's been absolutely ridiculous and now you know if they bring in Chris Bryant it gives him a little bit of time to say you know what I can take a break you know I, I I've mm-hmm. I've been carrying this team on my back for the past couple of nights I just need a break and Chris Bryant gives you that it gives you that guy that can go in and start every game but play different positions as well so it gives you that huge leeway, and especially that you got rid of outfielder Ender Enciarte today. Thank you, Atlanta Braves. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, they DFA'd him, I believe, <laughs> like almost a week ago. But yeah, and it, it was fortunate, unfortunate, because you know all the memories that he, he gave us, all the home run robberies, hitting. The, he, it was like what the first base hit, the first home run, and stuff, all that stuff. And what was SunTrust Park now, Truist Park? So he, he's given us a lot of memories. So. I thank him for that, but, yeah, I think this was a move that was a long time coming. All right, real quick, as we break this down, Braves, who do you want Who do you want them to get before this trade deadline here within probably the next few minutes? We definitely need bullpen. That's numero uno. Need that. <laughs> uh, starting pitching has actually been very – has performed very well this week. So, I, I think you're fine there, or at least for, for now. Uh, definitely need bullpen help, and I think adding another outfielder wouldn't 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 hurt anything, whoever that may be. But you also got to be careful, and you don't want to give up the farm form. You don't want to give up the likes of Drew Waters yeah. down there in Gwinnett. You don't want to give up those guys that could be very key pieces for you. So, especially anybody in yep. Gwinnett right now, because Gwinnett has, if I'm correct, nine straight wins right now for the Stripers down there in Gwinnett. So, and then. I, I, it, 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 I just got a notification from ESPN that said the Yankees are finalizing a deal to acquire Cubs. Anthony, there you go. There you so, go. So yeah, Hunter, I sorry. I just wanted to make sure we confirmed it, but but it looks like it has been confirmed yes. that they are finalizing the deal for Anthony Rizzo. So, and that would be huge. But to to the Brave standpoint, I think if you bring in these younger guys that have been pitching very very well and get them just like Kyler Mueller, Tuki Toussaint, I think they've been lights out for the Braves so far. Keep them up there. Don't try to keep going, making them go up and down, up and down. That's what they've been doing, and that's why sometimes they're struggling and sometimes they're fantastic. So keep those guys up there, and it will be perfectly fine. And you you know what? Something else, Braves, related uh, that do this because we do need to get off here soon. Yeah, I just got a text from someone that said Azuna's assault charge has been released. So. So this could mean, and this is this is not a hundred percent. So don't. I think we're no, the no, first people reporting this, okay? I have gotten a text that says as, as soon as 
um, assault charge has been dropped, basically. So, and if this is true, and the Braves find this out, he could start literally tomorrow. And this is huge, right before the trade deadline, because we now make sure he's first, because he broke. broke yes, his, that's yeah. true. And so, uh, I think the Braves still go get an outfielder. I think they need it; they're in desperate need of it. Um, and Jock Peterson's great. Ozuna's great, but you're going to need that third guy to have another bat in the lineup to make us say, okay, this is probably a World Series run. Right now, I just don't see that. So I, you have to go out and at least add another outfielder and another bullpen piece for the Braves to make that run. All right, Tim, that is everything from today. A huge show today. Huge yeah, show. Yeah, broke down the SEC, talked a little Olympics, some MLB trade deadline stuff, you know, people call, calling it or messaging some breaking news, getting texts from breaking news. And it was it was a jam-packed show, man, but it, oh, it was yeah. fun. It was fun. All right, next week we break down another conference, another day, another conference, another show, another conference. And as we will be breaking down what is supposedly supposed to be the Big 12, uh, but we'll find out after uh, 2025 if it will be the Big Zero. We'll find that out once we get to that point. Uh, but make sure you guys follow us on Facebook, the mm-hmm. Sideline Sports Show, or you can use the at sideline sports show you can follow us on instagram at sideline sports show and then our youtube page don't forget that it's very very important very very I important over there. i can't get over there i can't get over there to point can't if you me. don't yeah yeah you can't to point, point. Point. right here right here right here okay subscribe to our youtube page you can watch us live there as well and on facebook tim as always it's been a pleasure my friend and i hope to see you guys next week as we break down the big 12 It should be a lot of fun.